everyone. Hope you've had a great week. Thanks for tuning into our podcast and hope it encourages you, inspires you as you go about your week. Here's today's message. Well, good morning again. Good to see you. Um, I, I know it's communion and it's really, really significant. It is, please don't. But um, normally I, I've been in the habit of eating the bread bread. And this morning, I ate, are they Sakatar biscuits? Like, that was really good. <laughs> so if there's any leftover, I'll take them out. They're really good. Great to see you this morning. Um, and say thanks to Jen. I think she's been on stage ever since we started. And with Jen. And if you're watching online with us as well, you are just as welcome. We're wrapped to have you with us as well. Um, our church, we have what we call elders here and in our church um, the elders are the spiritual oversight of the church and so we've um, let you know in the last couple of weeks Jenny one of our friends Jenny who's here today uh, we'd love to accept Jenny as an elder and what we do before we formally accept someone as an elder we just ask for any feedback that people from the church would like to give and so and we've had some feedback already in relation to Jenny and that's that's fantastic thanks for that anyone else if you'd like to give us feedback we would love to hear from you Um, the best way to do it is if you can write it in an email or a text and that way others can read it Um, if you don't feel like you can do that give us a call and let us know that's fine so we'll look forward to hearing your feedback in relation to Jenny a few weeks back we asked for feedback in relation to Todd And we would like to welcome Todd uh, as an elder. So welcome Todd up the back there. Welcome as an elder. (laughs) Wanted to let you know too, with the feedback that we got in relation to Todd, and thanks to all those who gave feedback, um, there were one or two bits of feedback just in relation to a couple of things. We thought it's probably good even to say so. Um, uh, Todd, at the moment, is living and boarding with Adam and Tash, and Adam's one of our pastors. And so you think, well, that... That could be a little bit, little bit odd, couldn't it? So we're just aware of, uh, aware of any possible conflict of interest that that could come up. And if there was one of those, then we would just, Todd would, would not be part of, uh, of some sort of discussion or decision that could present a conflict. Could present a conflict. And then uh, in the next month or two, Todd will be moving out uh, from Adam and Tasha's place anyway and going to live elsewhere. So we... Wanted to let you know about that. And Todd's only been in our church um, just for a relatively short time. More often than not, people who are becoming elders have been around for a bit longer, and that's what we're used to. And we thought that through really carefully as a leadership group, and we prayed together about it and thought it through over the course of time, had a chat with Todd as well, and thought, hey, you know what? Um, right at the moment, it's really good even uh, in this season, especially for our church, even have like a fresh set of eyes uh, coming in and a fresh perspective that's really good and then just if we're aware of these things uh, that's usually two-thirds of the battle one isn't it you know so we want you to know that with your feedback we received your feedback and we considered it and we felt we made what was the right and best decision in this situation so Todd welcome once again we're meeting this Wednesday night and that'll be uh, Todd will join us for the first time then so Hey, now, to get to God's Word, I wonder if you've ever had uh, some sort of an existential crisis. I have. You know, when you wondered, why do I exist? Where do I fit in? 
when you're trying to make sense of the, this big world, that's just the world, let alone this big, big universe. I've had these uh, more, than, more than once. I just remember the big one for me. It was in my early 20s. I was a young cop um, and I, I had a girlfriend at the time. It wasn't my wife now, um, but I had a girlfriend at the time and she'd gone away and, and all it was was that I found myself missing her. And that sort of just led one thing to another. I was probably 21, 22 years old. And just this, this sense of realising, coming face to face with the fact that I was going to die one day. Um, and I'm thinking, if I, if I miss someone now, what's it going to be like when my parents die? Or if I get married and my wife dies? I'm going to die. And there's nothing at all I can do to stop it. There's nothing I can do to slow it down. What's the, what's the meaning of life? Many of you know I worked as a, as a police officer and, and police come face to face with death pretty regularly, but I worked in, in the homicide squad for four years. So just about every day for four years, I'm, I'm face to face... And it's not just with death, but it's with sudden death, usually violent death. And then for nearly 30 years as a pastor, I've journeyed with families through like some of the darkest valleys possible in life. Not just death, but suffering leading to death, and sometimes then sudden death, sometimes not so sudden. And it was only just a week or so ago, I, I said these words, I've, I'll quote them. It was, it was right near the beginning of a funeral for a person, not from our church, who was irreligious and unchurched. And I imagine most, if not all, of the people who were there probably were or are too. And I said these words we gather today in confronting reality we are mourning for it's true that the death of has saddened us deeply more so than mere words can describe we're reflective listen to this for death invites us to rethink the meaning and value of life and eternity and to contemplate our temporary time of life on earth and things unseen. Hey, there will come a day when you die and I'm just wondering what they're going to write about you <laughs> on your grave. <laughs> and before you think, I'm just thinking about, yeah, like I wonder, me too. What, what, what are people going to say about you? after you're gone, especially not, not, just, not just on the day of your funeral, because usually we say pretty nice things on the day of the funeral, don't we? What about a bit down the track? Now, if we used your name, so it's me, aren't you? Hey, Jeff, or your name, and we said, Jeff, 
exudes, what would we say after that? Or, or your name? You exude. What do you exude? If, if we said one sentence, you know, like, um, hey, you know, you know, Jeff, and that sums him up. Or so, if it's you, and that sums her up. What, what do you exude? What sums you up? What would be the overriding message of your existence? I mean, it's, it's natural, don't you think, to, to want my life to matter, to have purpose. Like, I, I don't know about you, but like, I don't want to just exist. I don't want to just put my time in. I don't want to just, as one of my police colleagues used to say, I don't want to just make up the numbers. Have I got a purpose that means something? I just got this book last week. It's sold, this is one of the classic books of all time. It's sold over 12 million copies and um, I, I read some of it this morning. Man's Search for Meaning. Viktor Frankl, Austrian psychiatrist who spent time in the, in the Nazi concentration camps. And he writes about our search as people for meaning. Do you have a, you have a purpose? Have a meaning? God says these words. He said, for I know the plans I have for you. They're plans for good, not for disaster. Plans to give you a future and a hope. The, the psalmist writing in the Psalms in our Bible said, I cry to God most high, to God who, who will fulfill his purpose for me. And Paul wrote in the book of Ephesians, he said, for we're God's masterpiece. You've probably heard that as the word, his workmanship or his handiwork. We're, we're God's masterpiece, his handiwork, his workmanship. He created us anew in Christ Jesus so that we can do the good things that he planned for us long ago. We've looked at that verse the last few months and and we know, like, if we believe what that says, that, that God made up the purposes for Jeff Shepherd's life before Jeff Shepherd was even thought of or think of. Remember we said that? Before I was even conceived, God thought up the purposes for my life and the good purposes. And it's not just me. Every one of us. Um, a few years back, I got, I, I got hold of these, these words. I've got them, and I've given them to some of you guys. I've got them laminated in my journal there, and I call them my fighting words. So every morning, most mornings, you know, it probably averages out to six mornings a week. Most mornings, I, I, I say these words, and I say them out loud. Um, now, in each case, there's, there's a declaration. So, I, so there's some words that I declare, and then after that, it's followed by a verse or some verses from the Bible. I never set out to memorize these, um, but I've been doing them for... Uh, quite a few years now, and so like I just have memorized them. I know I'm off by heart, and they mean the absolute world to me. Like quite often, 
I'll say to God, thank you after I've done it. Thank you for these fighting words because I can feel them make a difference in me when I go through them. Sometimes it's like a tug of war to go through them. I don't really feel like it. And sometimes when you're really tired mentally or emotionally, it's really hard to to speak the words out. But every time I do, they help. Um, Here's one of them. As a man who shares in the heavenly calling, who recognizes Jesus as my apostle and high priest, I declare that I will pursue the purposes for which God created me. I often throw the words in here, I know I will be most settled when I'm most satisfied in my calling. I may not know all the details of the big calling before me, but I will absolutely be on assignment for God today. I'll notice others who need the same kind of comfort that God's given me for my hurts and disappointments, and I'll offer help and hope to them. In fulfilling my assignments for today, I will most certainly discern his purposes for my future. The more I focus on him, the more I will know his plans. He alone is worthy of my gaze and able to redeem my every thought, my every step from here. So I'm declaring that over my life, yeah, as truth. And then we back it up with the word of God. Therefore, holy brothers and sisters who share in the heavenly calling, fix your thoughts on Jesus, whom we acknowledge as our apostle and high priest. It's from Hebrews chapter 3, verse 1. Every morning saying that and declaring that over my life. It's true. So maybe then, think on this with me for a sec this morning. If I'm really serious about doing my part to fulfill my purpose in this life, like not just to be a, a little pinprick on the radar, but for my life to have meaning and purpose and if I genuinely in that want to be the man that God made me to be maybe this is something that that grows and that develops over time over the long haul maybe when there's a long obedience in the same direction that's when I increasingly perceive his purposes you want to have a listen to this this morning? And especially if you're young or younger, and we probably all fit that category to one degree or another, don't fall for thinking, I'll get to that one day. God himself says, you know, he says, call on the Lord while he may be found. Seek him while he's near. Don't make the mistake of thinking you'll get to it one day. Now, it's our last Sunday in Paul Focused Perseverance Exemplified. We've been tracking through his life for a few months now, and we don't know for sure how he died because we spoke about this last week. But we've got fairly strong tradition, and that is that he was executed, beheaded, just outside of Rome. Capital, metropolis city of the known world. So what did his life then, if we're looking back on it, what did that life exude? What, what summed it up? Um, you know, for almost all of his letters in our Bibles, Paul stopped talking right near the end. He stopped talking to his, do you know what this is? An amanuensis. Who knows what an amanuensis is? Oh, someone does. I was hoping I could trick everyone today. But I haven't 
I don't know you, sir, but would you like to, do you know, would you like to yell out what it is or do you not want to? Thanks. I came along thinking I was going to dazzle everyone with my, with my school because I didn't know what the word was. I had to look it up. But he, he's exactly, what's your name? Phil. Phil. Phil's exactly right. Someone who portrays your thoughts in writing. Um, so for almost all his letters, Paul, thanks Phil, um, Paul stopped talking to his amanuensis right at the end. And then he took the quill took it himself and he wrote a few words at the end of the letter something like this this is in the book of second thessalonians the letter that he wrote the second letter that he wrote the thessalonians he said this now here is my greeting which i write with my own hand paul i do this at the end of all my letters to prove that they're really from me there's one time though where he goes long goes a bit longer in fact it's for seven whole verses that he writes and this one's in his letter to the churches in the region of galatia so look in galatians chapter 6 verse 11 he says notice what large letters I, I use as I write these closing words in my own handwriting big bold large letters he practically begs these people to excuse them for the clumsy shape and appearance of his handwriting and this is known to happen in my household as well with my handwriting um, I regularly get criticized for it with no mercy um, and the other day I went to the dentist and you know you got to fill out the sheet when you get there I filled out the sheet and then I handed it back to her and just as I went to sit down she said you should have been a doctor so, like my handwriting's terrible um, no doubt Paul's big writing the big big bold large letters like that that's actually probably a literal expression as well because we know that Paul had really defective poor eyesight look look what he wrote a few verses later as part of the seven that he writes as for me God forbid that I should boast about anything except the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ because of that cross my interest in this world died long ago and the world's interest in me is also dead so there Paul there's my exuding that sums me up just one thing the cross of Jesus spare me all the rest look what he says a few verses later for I bear on my body the scars that show I belong to Jesus you know he's saying I've been around the block a few times you guys I've lived it. I've been belted. I've been pursued. I've been in the arena. I've been in the arena, not in the stands, watching, spectating, cheering on. And I've got the scars to prove it. You know, he ends up contributing 13 letters to, if you're holding your Bible or you got it on your phone, Paul writes 13 letters in the New Testament. Some of them when hope was young and fresh. Some of them right in the middle of really, really strong antagonism. Some of them in a prison cell. Some of them, at least one of them, in a prison 
dungeon waiting to be executed. And so often he would describe himself, he'd use big, bold, large letters. What's, what exudes his life? What sums him up? He's Paul, bond servant of Jesus Christ. And remember too, over time, Paul lost count of his critics. We've seen this. His violent, militant opposers, his haters, his accusers, his slanderers, the vitriolic attackers. But if you look back now, now, if we were around and we were Paul's contemporaries, we might have seen him that way as well. We might have been some of the, the opposers, the haters, the accusers, the slanderers, the attackers. But now we can look objectively because we're reading about it a couple of thousand years later. So if we're reading about it later, so objectively, we see now, don't we? That in spite of the, 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 the uncountable, voluminous criticism against him, we see now he was a good man. Full of love, loyalty, Spirit of Jesus, always leaving behind the things that were behind and pressing on. He said this, and I press on to what lies ahead, to receive the call of God in Christ Jesus. Saying things like, um, I, I, I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings becoming like him in his death. It's natural, isn't it, to want my life to matter? have purpose and I don't want to I don't want to just exist I don't want to just put in my time have I got a purpose big bold large letters my friend of your life what are they what will they be so just come through those letters We'll, we'll just we'll just mention them in the order that we best know that he wrote them Okay, he wrote First and Second Thessalonians first. Um, he wrote the first letter to the Thessalonians from Corinth, and, and in both of these letters, he really dwells on on the second coming of Jesus. Jesus has been, he's died, he's risen, he's left, and he'll be coming again. Um, he's he uses words like this, for the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a commanding shout, with the call of the archangel, with the trumpet of God. And then he goes on and explains how that will be. He says in verse 18, a couple later, he says, so knowing that Jesus is coming back, comfort and encourage each other with these words. We'd say then he wrote the first letter to the Corinthians. First Corinthians. Um, he was in Ephesus later when he got news. Um, firstly, it was just people who came and talked to him. Then he got a letter about this young church in Corinth, and he'd planted the church, started it three or four years earlier. A really good young church, but not such good reports. Conflict, quarrels, disputes, inconsistencies, factions, groups. And we've looked at this letter before here in church and we've said from from little things because problems like that start out small but from little things big things grow hey eh? and so he writes that letter to address these problems things that will take this church off track if not addressed so it's practical direction to the church how to apply the principles of the good news of Jesus to the most complicated 
social and moral problems and in particular church problems. So now he's seeing more than just the second coming. He's seeing things now which, which really matter practically. Eye hasn't seen him, ear hasn't heard him, heart hasn't conceived him. Then we reckon he writes the letter of 2 Corinthians. He left Ephesus when that riot broke out. We looked at that a couple of weeks ago. And this letter, 2 Corinthians, this is the most personal of all his letters. He lays his heart bare. Um, he lets us see right under the bonnet. Um, he recounts, and some of it's almost blow by blow. It's hard to read. Some of his pains and sufferings and hardships. And just uses words like this. That is why he says we never give up. Though our bodies are dying, our spirits are being renewed every day. For our present troubles are quite small, they won't last very long. Yet they produce for us an immeasurably great glory glory that will last forever. So we don't look at the troubles we see right now. Rather, we look forward to what we have not seen. For the troubles we see will soon be over. But the joys to come will last forever. See, as Tom goes on, he's knowing Jesus more now. You're thinking about the big, bold, large letters of your life and whether it's something that just grows and develops over time so that it matters, so that you're not just making up the numbers, so that you're not just existing. This continual anguish that he had. And he said, he used those words. We looked at these last week. He said, you know what? The weaker I am as a person, the more God's power can shine through me. So you know what that means, he said? When I am weak, then I am strong. Um, the letter of Galatians, next. Um, Paul was in Corinth. He kept hearing news about his friends in Galatia, especially, you know what he was really writing to, to them about? Their fickleness. Have you ever been fickle? Do you know what? A few years ago, I got a really early morning, I think about 5.30 in the morning, text message followed by a phone call from, and, and I'll say this, it was a guy, it was a guy who was in desperate trouble. And uh, spent a while on the phone to him, made some arrangements, um, got in touch with, with his psychiatrist, uh, had a chat with a psychiatrist and did all of that. This was all before seven o'clock in the morning. Um, and it was, it was a really, you know, this, this guy, it was, a, it was a crisis for him, absolute crisis. And then we arranged, he was going to go see the psychiatrist and then I think he was going to come and see me. I think it was going to be the next morning. We arranged that he'd come and see me here in the church the next morning knew this guy well and you know the next morning um, I was on my way here and expecting to meet him and I got a text from him which I don't have to read to you um, but it went something like this bearing in mind that 24 hours earlier like he'd been in absolute dire straits spiritual crisis mental crisis arranged to come see me and then he says oh Morning, Jeff. Um, I can't come this morning because I'm going fishing. Can I come tomorrow morning at 10 o'clock? Oh, no, no, I'll see you tomorrow morning at 10 o'clock. <laughs> so, like, just assuming, assuming, like, I wouldn't have anything to do the next morning at 10 o'clock. I was just sitting around waiting for Sunday to come. But 
this crisis and now I can't come because I'm going fishing. Like it was literally as stark as that. You know we're fickle sometimes as people and we, we've got the things that one day they can be a real conviction to us and the next day we're, we're skinny on them. The Galatian people, Paul is digging deep now and he, he addresses with them these new heresies and he's finding more and more this guy, you can read it in his letter, the fullness in Jesus for all needs and all times. And he says something like this at the start of his letter to the Galatians. Obviously, he said, I'm not trying to be a people pleaser. I'm trying to please God. If I were still trying to please people, I would not be Christ's servant. I love saying that as a bit of a, bit of a joke. We aim to please. And we do. We want to please people if we can, but the top priority. Um, I loved one of our favourite Netflix series. I think maybe this was my favourite that I've watched. New Amsterdam. Who's watched New Amsterdam? Isn't it a good, not many? All right, everyone, go home, sign up. It's really, really good. New Amsterdam. Dr. Max Goodwin is the director of, uh, um, I'm just forgetting, what's the name of the hospital? It's a hospital in New York. Oh, is it? (laughs) The New Amsterdam Hospital, is it? Okay. It's the New Amsterdam Hospital. Dr. Max Goodwin comes in. He's the new medical director. And he's... um, Peggy, I'm going to put you on the spot. Let's see if Peggy can do this. What's what's his most popular line? What does he do? He holds his hand out and he asks, "Uh uh-oh, how can I... How can I help? Love that. Um, Paul saying, you know, I'm, I'm actually not trying to be a people pleaser. If I can help, I will, but I'm here to please God. Anyway, next one, Romans. Near the end of his time at Corinth now, and he's increasingly thinking about Rome, this world metropolis place he really wants to visit. And then he writes this book of Romans. And you know what? It's actually, like, it can be a bit hard to read. Suggest if you haven't read it before, read it in the New Living Translation and just read it really slowly and go back and read again and again because he writes with this clear appreciation and presentation. Get ready for it. It's for the great doctrine of what we call justification by faith. This this out-of-this-world concept that I get justified eternally. Justified eternally eternally simply by having faith in the good work of Jesus Christ on the cross I do not have to do anything else that's this out of this world concept and most of the book is all about that it's called justification by faith it's a ripper he said that we're reconciled to God we sung this this morning by the death of his son Jesus and we're saved by his life all right now um, the cross of Jesus so now this cross for him remember he said earlier God forbid that I should boast about anything except the cross of Jesus Christ cross of Jesus now it's not just this means of getting saved but it's this means of actually living life now Um, the book of Philippians is next he's been through the ringer Um, now he's experiencing and he writes about it the peace of God that passes all understanding listen to this for language that stands guard over his heart and his mind in Christ Jesus that's this military term like it stands it's this garrison guard 
over his heart and his mind, that's the peace of God. How good is that? That's the sort of thing. He says he's a citizen of heaven and he's learning self-sacrificing humility. Each of you says you should be just like Jesus who even though he's in nature God, he stepped out of heaven and humbled himself and became obedient to death on a cross. You see his big bold large letters. Colossians is next. Still under house arrest in Rome when he writes the letter to the Colossians, addressing more problems now at Colossae, all about the fullness of Jesus and it's seeing all the, all the things, like absolutely everything as under the lordship and the control of God. Look at some of the words he uses. Christ is the one through whom God created everything in heaven and earth. He made the things we can see and the things we can't see, kings, kingdoms, rulers and authorities. Everything has been created through him and for him you know about the book of Philemon Onesimus he's a runaway slave he's a fugitive from his master Philemon Philemon's a friend of Paul's Onesimus has run run away Paul has encountered him now he sends him back to his master and then in particular there he talks about the perfect patience and certainty with which he waits for the ultimate triumph of God's love you can see the big bold big bold large letters getting bigger and bolder and larger can't you and in the book of Ephesians he's swinging now because he writes words some of the most powerful words that you see in the Bible are in Ephesians look at this how we praise God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms because we belong to Christ long ago my friend if you're sitting here this morning and even if you've been struggling a little bit to stay awake like just sit up and listen to these words now because they're true for you all right like these words are true for you long ago before even before he made the world God loved us God loved you and chose you in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes his unchanging plan has always been to adopt us to adopt you into his own family by bringing you to himself through Jesus Christ and that gave him great pleasure he made you with a purpose um, the books of First Timothy and Titus were confident that, that Paul was released from his house arrest in Rome and he visited some of the scenes of his earlier missionary trips. Somewhere in there he's written these books. He's never weary by this stage of his life as showing that the great principles of the good news of Jesus, they're meant to actually affect life right now. Even the most common incidents of life right now. Even the most common duties of life right now. Look what he writes. Physical exercise has some value. Spiritual exercise is much more important for it promises a reward in both this life and the next. It's not just getting you ready to sit on a cloud with a halo over your head and a, and a harp and sing Amazing Grace for the one millionth time. It's not just trying to get you to get ready for that right now. And look what he says in Titus. For the grace of God has been revealed, bringing salvation to all people. We're instructed to turn from godless living and sinful pleasures. We should live in this evil world with self-control, right conduct and devotion to God while we look forward. Remember he spoke about the second coming back in First and Second Thessalonians? While we look forward to that wonderful event when the glory of our great God and Saviour Jesus Christ will be revealed. He gave his life to free us now here from every kind of sin to cleanse us and to make us his very own people totally committed to doing what is right and then the book of second timothy we think is most likely the last one and now you could sing it the end is near 
He's in a Roman prison cell now. By tradition, he's underground and the sewerage of the metropolis is flowing right through his cell and he's awaiting his imminent death. And we know, we can read by then, that he's mellowed and he's softened. He's lonely now. He's deserted by many of his friends. Some of his closest friends have turned against him. He writes in there like he doesn't even have a coat. Can someone please, can someone please bring me a blankie? Like it's cold. And he writes to his beloved son, it's to Pastor Timothy, and his courage still shows forth. I mean, think about that. He's just ready to die. Timothy, you should keep a clear mind in every situation. Just watch for his big, bold, large letters now, friends. Don't be afraid of suffering for the Lord. Work at bringing others to Christ. Complete the ministry God has given you. And now, his final words. As for me, my life, I'm at the end now. It's already been poured out as an offering to God. The time of my death is near. I have fought a good fight. I've finished the race. I've remained faithful. And now, because I've done that, the prize awaits me, the crown of righteousness that the Lord, the righteous judge, will give me on that great day of his return. It's like he ties it all together now, doesn't he? The big, bold, large letters. And the prize is not just for me, but for all. It's for you too, my friend. It's for all who eagerly look forward to his glorious return. And that's as much as we know. Or, or maybe not quite big, bold, large letters of his life. What are yours? Look at Paul, my friend, the stuff that he said earlier, we saw this. God forbid that I should boast about anything except the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. Because of that cross, my interest in this world died long ago and this world's interest in me died. What is what are, you, like, what are you boasting about? Like, like, and not even just that you're, that you're boasting really proud, but like, like what do you hang on to? What do, you, what do you tie yourself to? Like if this is your claim to fame, what is it? What is it that you're, that you're staking your identity on, like that you're, that you're relying on to get you through? What's the meaning? What's the purpose in your life? What do you exude? What sums you up? Well, just as... A reminder, I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. And they're plans for good. They're not for disaster. They're plans to give you a future and a hope. And you can cry out to God, most high, God most high today, to God who will fulfill his purpose for your life. And you're God's masterpiece, his workmanship, his handiwork, created in Christ Jesus, created a new in Christ Jesus so that you can do the good things that He planned for you to do. Remember, before you were even conceived, He created good things for you to do. God has an amazing purpose for life as long as I cooperate.
just as we finish, can I read you some, some words here? Just give us a sec to grab them. Ecclesiastes chapter 12. I only just I think maybe the Lord put these on my heart right before I got up to speak here. Hold on. Isaiah, Jeremiah, Lamentations, Ezekiel, Daniel. Where's it? Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, straight after Proverbs. Well, I have to sing the song. You have to sing the song to find out where the, where the book is. Proverbs, Ecclesiastes. Look at this, Proverbs chapter 12. Please listen to this. You want to just pray with me and I'll read it to you? Don't, don't let the excitement of youth cause you to forget your creator. Honour him in your youth before you grow old and no longer enjoy living. It's a bit grim this, but just listen to this. It will be too late then to remember him when the light of the sun and the moon and the stars is dimmed to your old eyes and there's no silver lining left among the clouds. Your limbs will tremble with age and your strong legs will grow weak. Your teeth will be too few to do their work and you will be blind too. And when your teeth are gone... Keep your lips tightly closed when you eat. Even the chirping of birds will wake you up. But you yourself will be deaf and tuneless. This is grim, isn't it? Deaf and tuneless with a quavering voice. You'll be afraid of heights. You'll be afraid of falling. You'll be white-haired and withered, dragging along without any sexual desire. You'll be standing at death's door. And as you near your everlasting home, the mourners will walk along the street. Yes, remember your creator now before the silver cord of life snaps and the golden bowl is broken. Don't, don't wait until the water jar is smashed at the spring and the pulley is broken at the well. For then the dust will return to the earth. We say that at funerals, don't we? Dust to dust, ashes to ashes. The dust will return to the earth and the spirit will return to God who gave it. Let's pray together. It's the big, bold, large letters of your life. What are they? What are they going to be? You're here just to exist and to, to, to get through and to make up the numbers, put in the time. Or you want to discover, and not just discover, but live God's purpose for your life. Because imagine if you could say something like what Paul said. I have fought a good fight. I've finished the race. I've remained faithful. Just give you a moment just to think this through. Holy Spirit, please, as we think it now, people just just pondering what we're saying. Just trust you now. Join with me. I like ask him together. Let's ask him together. Ask the Holy Spirit just to be working now. Because he can speak into your heart and your mind like I cannot. And I pray, Lord Jesus, over every person who is here, those who are watching online now, those who will watch later or listen to the podcast later pray over every single soul and we don't want one of those souls to slip through the cracks 
and just to put in the time, just to exist, just to get through. We desperately don't want that for anyone. We want to be people and we want everyone to be people. People who have understood the work of Jesus on the cross to die for our sins. Give us the opportunity for life here and now, not just in the future, here, here and now. And to live in accordance with the way that you designed us, which is the best way to live. We want, we want that for people, Lord, please. So we trust you for the work of your spirit now. Right now in this time, in the, in the time to come as we finish our formal time together, we trust you, Lord. Trust you for great things. In Jesus' name, amen. Love you guys. Thanks for listening. Thank you so much. God bless you.